Hello, welcome to Malice from a Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today we are talking about um, characters who are being played by multiple actors, and we're going to pretty much be talking about our favourites out of like the actors to portray the characters, um, but also just kind of generally the kind of weird thing about a character being played by multiple actors, because um, it is very interesting. Because you get a lot of different interpretations. Um, but yeah, before that, just to let you know, we do have an Instagram account at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. Uh, we do reviews during the week, and the podcast usually comes out on Monday. Um, also, got our Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. Uh, we do reviews over there as well, and a podcast that comes out on Monday usually. Um, pretty much the same thing on both platforms. Uh, but feel free to follow us or like our posts or contact us or share us with your friends or even leave a review on the podcast service podcast service you're listening on mm-hmm. it's very much helpful um but yeah do you want to do you want to get started with your kind of first character topic person <laughs> okay my first character topic person of um <laughs> so characters played by more than one actor um i'm gonna go for one which i've talked about before Mm-hmm. However, I've not really talked about the other side to my favourite of these, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Talking in riddles now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, if you know Strangers of the Podcast, you'll know that I talk about Hellboy a lot. <laughs> okay. Half the time, for not very good reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, two actors have played the character of Hellboy in live action. Mm-hmm. Um, then being Ron Perlman of the glorious Guillermo del Toro films. Mm-hmm. And David Harbour of the not so glorious uh, thingy Marshall film. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I've talked a lot about how much I adore the original two and despise the remake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it'll be no 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 su- surprise to you to learn that my favourite of the two is Ron Perlman. Yeah. Yeah. By, by quite a quite a considerable distance. <laughs> However. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's worth pointing out for this for this particular occasion that I don't think David Harbour is as bad as the film he's in. Yeah, I'd agree, yeah. And I think it's worth pointing out that he is easily the best thing about that film, which wouldn't be hard, but he is easily the best thing about the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he brings a lot of the... Um, first of all, there's the determination. He, you know, he went through quite a body transformation to do it. So, you know, hats off to him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he was also clearly, clearly invested in it. You know, he, he was he was giving it big and large. And I do think he kind of looked great. I don't think he had. It didn't. The look didn't have the charm of the Ron Perlman one. But I think if you're going for a darker version of Hellboy, I think it was a good look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you just you just can't compete with Ron Perlman. Yeah, I, Ron I agree. Perlman. <laughs> Yeah. Not just Ron Perlman, but in a in a design designed by Gil, uh, Del Toro and and, and Co. Mm-hmm. There is just no, there's no matching sort of the the balance that they have with that Ron Perlman version of doing a lot of darker, weirder things, especially in the second one. Yeah. Um, there are some weird sort of monster type things. There's the thing with the with the eyeball in its hand, <laughs> yeah. which is very much you know it's very much Pan's Labyrinth style. Yep. Um, and so, 
he, you have that finally finally balanced with the comedic and larger than life uh, persona that sort of Perlman brings, mm-hmm. and compare that to sort of the dark and dingy way that the world of the the remake was done. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it's personal preference or if everybody's like this, but I just prefer the the larger than life campier version. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think I do think there's a definitely a a way of a Hellboy uh, movie working as a dark kind of mm. gory kind of thing, but I just think they didn't handle it at all well in a um, 2019 version, maybe 2019, maybe. What um, um, yeah, I totally agree though. I do think I think David Harbour he looks the part definitely, mm. um, and I think. I think there's an argument to make that his design is kind of better. Maybe I've like I've heard people say that every once in a while, and I do. I don't find it to be like out of like out of like believability. Like I do yeah. think it's a good design. Saying. Yeah, it's a really good design, and I think. And I remember even before like a trailer came out, or whatever, seeing like an image of him in that outfit, thinking, "Oh, they might actually be able to do something interesting with this reboot." Um, and I've only seen the film once, and mm-hmm. once was enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of, it's just such a, a a slog to get through, and it's mm-hmm. so, it's so kind of, it seems like it thinks it, it seems like it thinks that if it's gory enough and it's, if it's brutal enough and dark enough that it can, it's good enough, and mm. it's not unfortunately. And I think. There are some interesting design choices and some interesting kind of takes on the characters that we've seen from before, but none of them really match the standard set by Del Toro. Um, and I think especially that second film, The Golden Army, um, is just a great kind of just pure creativity and campiness, but also kind of horrific at mm-hmm. the same time. Like, there's a good mix there. And I think I just kind of think that going dark for the sake of going dark was just not the best choice <laughs> you um, doomed it um yeah it's quite a yucky film it's and for no real purpose yeah i mean especially when you get to the third act which i vaguely remember it's just people dying in horrible mm-hmm. ways for like 20 minutes um and then there's that hilarious kind of really bad cgi um of Ian McShane, like his oh, character. Oh, God, yeah. I remember seeing that and thinking, there's no way people let this go by and thought, we'll release this to worldwide market. Like, it looks awful. Um, and, yeah, I think... But again, like, I think it's an interesting route to go down with that character to make him kind of not entirely heroic, like John Hurt's version was. Um, but still, it didn't really work. And David Harper's really trying, but... Um, nothing around him is really helping him um no. like this i think this is like a supporting character like a female supporting character yeah, i vaguely um, remember it too yes he's not very good either um it, yeah it's not great it's kind of unfortunate really um yeah because were you, were you excited for the film when it was coming out i was i'm looking forward to it like you i've, I've seen the images of the david harbour in the whole get up and thought you know what this could be decent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, if they are doing a proper a dark take on it, it, it really could work. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't do it right and do, did, didn't do the darkness right. 
yeah, I agree. It just they just did it for the sake of it, which is an absolute crime because that's not that's not why R-rated projects work. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. just enough to stick it on there and say blood, guts, blood, guts, more, more guts, more blood, swearing, yeah, mm-hmm. and say that's what makes this good because it's not even even in films that are R-rated and people often associate, you know, films that help support the idea that making something R-rated is good. Films like Logan, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not just the R-rated. The yeah. R-rated is done for a reason. It's, it's with purpose. It's to show how 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 grey and grim the world is. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of to hammer home how how dangerous that particular story is. And it works so well. Yeah. Especially in contrast to the PG-13 films that came before it. It definitely feels like a like something's different. Even from the opening scene, you're like, yeah, this is this is something else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and that's when it's worked it used it's worked perfectly, especially in this comic book style format. Mm-hmm. But Hellboy Hellboy feels like the studio looked at that and saw, yes, people like it when it's grisly and grim. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's all they had. That's all they went into the to the room with. And they said, let's get um, an indie horror filmmaker to do it. And then halfway through production, let's tell him how we want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, I have seen even, like, recent kind of conversations with, like, kind of, I guess, general audiences. I guess you can call them, I guess. Um, where they kind of praise the new one for being maybe even better because it's like again like that sort of thing where it's R-rated and it's darker mm-hmm. um, which it's kind of annoying really to kind of read and watch because it's not <laughs> and that's not to say that a good version can't be made of it being R-rated but it's just mm-hmm. it relies on it so much to the point of like it seems to be the only point of the film to exist <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah it was real. I, I generally looking back on it I think I, I was very excited for it, and I think once I realised from either the trailers or the kind of critical feedback before I ever saw the film, I kind of just thought, oh well, it wasn't meant to be. But I forget that I actually was like quite excited for it when mm. I saw the monster, for example. Um, yeah, kind of a missed opportunity. I think he was perfect, ca- perfect casting. Mm. Um, just, yeah, not good. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, I'm 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 glad there's no sequel to that. Yeah. I don't think we're I'd I I really want it to be something done with Hellboy. I think he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um I would lo- obviously I would love to see a third film from Del Toro. Um but I don't think we're gonna get that anytime soon. Um, neither do I. Yeah. And I don't really I don't really blame him. If he if he just, if he doesn't want to do it then I don't want to force him to do it. <laughs> um, he seems to be in his own groove at the moment. Yeah. Definitely... That new that new one we've got coming up that just released the trailer looks great. Yeah, Nightmare Alley. Yes, that one. Yeah, it's very exciting, and I think, yeah, I think it's just a proof of, like a proof of just because you went darker does not mean you've made it better, <laughs> mm. um, which is an unfortunate trend since like The Dark Knight, for example, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we should oh, like to move on to your uh, your first one. Um, yeah. Um, so I kind of went for, I guess, one of the big ones when you think about multiple characters, like multiple actors playing the same character. Um, I suppose there's two big ones, but I've went for the other one. I've went for um, Batman, 
Because um, mm-hmm. he's had a lot of diff- a lot of different, like very very different iterations on screen, um, and I think for me my kind of standout of all of them so far is Christian Bale, um, and that Dark Knight trilogy, um, and I think it's just I. I, especially for looking at it from before the Dark Knight trilogy, mm-hmm. I find it fascinating to see how much Batman was never really a character. Um, and I think we have talked about this before in the podcast, mm-hmm. at least. Um, like, I really do. I enjoy Keaton's Batman and Kilmer's Batman, and I even enjoy the Clooney Batman for being so this, like, Saturday morning <laughs> cartoon. Um, I literally enjoy them all on some level, and really kind of admire each performance on its own merits. Um, but I, yeah, it it feels like the first four live-action Batman films did not really care about the Batman part, which was an interesting choice to go down. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's kind of skipping the origin story, it was or not really giving Bruce Wayne an arc to speak of. Um, the films kind of use the character and Gotham to kind of put on a very interesting, like a very visually interesting light show. Um, and that kind of worked for the first go around. And I would say it worked even better for the second go around with Batman Returns because it gets so weird and dark and Tim Burton y. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Batman Forever and Batman and Robin kind of really go for it in terms of visual spectacle but don't or at least weren't allowed to go down the route of let's see what Bruce Wayne is actually like um which is really unfortunate and I think I do kind of find it interesting that we've got a Clooney Batman and he kind of just does George Clooney but in a rubber costume (laughs) like I just find that sort of interesting that that happened um and I think and I also think before Christian Bale became Batman and before the Dark Knight trilogy, I honestly think that it didn't really matter he was in the costume. Mm-hmm. It was kind of just the costume was the main attraction. Um, and I think the actors around the costume, like Jack Nicholson or Diane DeVito or Jim Carrey or, you know, Uma Thurman, they were kind of the main stars. And it wasn't because their characters were the most kind of kind of developed. It was, it was mostly because they were the most allowed to go crazy, <laughs> um, which is always fun and interesting, but never satisfying, I would say, as a, as a character. Um, but, yeah, I think, for me, Christian Bale is a standout. And I think he has his odd choices. I think the Batman voice from Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises especially is, it's a bit of an odd choice. Um, it's kind of like, and I always think it's always fascinating go back to Batman Begins and realizing that it wasn't always that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Batman Begins is it's quite like toned down and just like his voice, but a bit gravelly, and not the Dark Knight when he's like screaming, like with he's like gargling, like some sort of stones in his mouth. <laughs> it's, it's just like a ridiculous amount of just weird voice acting but um other than that i always have found his take on the character to be very kind of explored and nuanced compared to before um mm-hmm. would you agree that christian bale is at least the kind of the first time the character was taken 
a bit more seriously. Yeah, I think I would. I I I honestly struggle a lot with saying which Batman I prefer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> I part of me just thinks that I don't think we've had that in Batman him himself as judging Batman as a sole character, not mm-hmm. talking about the films around them, but as the character. Yeah. I don't think we've had that perfect version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think we've had the the iconic Hugh Jackman Wolverine, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, even even Ron Perlman Hellboy. I don't think we've had that perfect matchup of character and actor and everything around them. Yeah. I think that I'm not going to argue with anybody when it comes to saying that the Dark Knight trilogy are the best Batman films, mm-hmm. because I definitely think they are. And I think Batman, written in relation to the plot and written in general, I think that is the best version of Batman, as mm-hmm. in on the on the page. Yeah, yeah. The way it works with the, the villains in the films and the way it works with the plot and the themes running throughout each individual film, but the trilogy as a whole. I don't think you're going to get a better than that. I think Nolan, Nolan's reached a perfect point there. Yeah. But yeah. weirdly, I don't know how to properly explain this, but I'm not 100% sold on Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as as Batman, I mean, he's a phenomenal actor. I, I don't mean to 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 insult him or anything like that or or demean him, but I don't think there's something about that that in in, in the performance and in the individual style i don't think he is the perfect i don't think he is the best performance of batman mm-hmm. yeah. and weirdly i think the best performance as of batman is michael keaton mm-hmm. yeah um shout out to ben affleck <laughs> um who for sh- you know isn't quite my favorite in any of these departments but i do really like him as batman mm-hmm. but again that's mainly because of the film he's in i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I come back to it. I'm started coming back to it time and time again. But there's just something about Keaton's performance I love. Mm-hmm. The sort I of awkward. Yeah, I absolutely love the awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. Especially at the at, at sort of at the party when he's first introduced in the in the first one, mm-hmm. where he's just sort of like, oh wait, that's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I. I really love that performance, especially in the second one where he's put opposite Michelle Pfeiffer and the two of them, there's, there's some real chemistry there. There is, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. They absolutely, as, as, a, as a duo in a comic book film, I think, and as a relationship, it's not necessarily the way that it's narratively written. It's just the thematic way of, there's this oddball kind of Batman who's really socially awkward and has never felt completely at home, has finally found someone who is kind of oddbally like him and mm-hmm. who feels like he understands him. And I I thoroughly adore that concept. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I love that idea as well. I think that's why, to me at least, Batman Returns kind of stands out as mm. the best of those first four films. Um, it kind of has something to say at least and it's kind of it feels the most unchained from being a commercial product like the rest mm. of the films kind of feel like they were um yeah i definitely agree that i yeah i definitely agree that michael keaton is a great batman i do think his performance is is very unique as well because i don't think 
especially especially for the first live action take on the character mm. it's weird that they went for just like a, a subversive kind of take on the character like he's not what you'd expect for like your first go around of the character he's not like he's not like six foot and he's not you know it's not this kind of the comics but on screen it's mm-hmm. kind of odd that they went for Michael Keaton who Physically, you wouldn't really believe could do all these things, but <laughs> you put him in the costume and you have him just be brooding and dark and not really mm. move, and it kind of works better. Um, I, and I, think, I, have to, I have to say, though, I'm not a massive fan of that costume. It's just the neck. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I think <laughs> the second costume is better. The one it gets in return just is slightly better. Yeah, it is, but it is. it's a bit... The, the one in the 89 version is very... Um, it looks like it's not properly finished yet. <laughs> like, it has a weird matte look to it, isn't it? Yeah, and like it has all these like stains on it, like handprints on it. It's, it's a weird look. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do kind of enjoy the fact that the first live action Batman is kind of a weird, awkward take on the character. Um, Weirdly, if you think about it and think about how this is, like you say, it's the first live action film coming off the back of the fact that the the general audience's first impression of this character is the 1960 TV show. Mm, yeah, yeah. It makes it it makes enormous amount of sense if you were to tell me that um the the pre Nolan Batman films, if they were the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if they'd started off with Batman and Robin and then built up to the first the 1989 Batman, or at least those two Tim Burton films. Mm-hmm. That would make the most sense. Yeah, yeah. But, kind of finally going away from that after realizing it doesn't really work. <laughs> hmm. Um, but instead, they sort of went for this and thought, "Oh shit, back down." <laughs> yeah. Too dark. Too dark. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. in Batman Returns, Tim Burton kind of got a, a a blank check of just come back and make another hit film, um, and didn't realize that Tim Burton's going to be very Tim Burton about it and make you know the penguin bite people's noses off and all that sort of thing <laughs> um so yeah i yeah definitely agree and i think i kind of find it interesting that val kilmer i kind of like i've always liked his performance um i he kind of i understand why people kind of take him as kind of a a wooden kind of performance for like the character um his bruce Wayne is for the most part quite reserved um there's not much kind of humor to the character or even kind of real I don't know, there's not much emotion to the character, but I do think for some reason I think in that film it does work. Um mm-hmm. I really wish it came I really wish he came back for um Batman and Robin. Um I think amongst the Joel Schumacher world of those films, I think somehow Val Kilmer does ground it quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and I do. I think George Clooney just, just did not have that going into the last one. Um, he kind of, he kind of. George Clooney seems more like he's just on the ride and is having an absurd time at the same time. Like, whereas Val Kilmer feels like he's trying to take it seriously as much as you can. Um, and I also think that he, at least physically, suits the character a bit more. Um, he kind of feels more like the Batman you'd expect in your mind. Um, mm-hmm. You can definitely even tell from the amount of action he does compared to Keaton um, from the get-go. He's mm-hmm. kind of, 
it's still a bit awkward and clumsy and a bit like it's definitely a man in a rubber shoe <laughs> in a rubber suit um, but it's still like he's doing more than the previous two films i guess um but yeah those films didn't they never really supported the main character which is kind of unfortunate um and it's it reminds me of honestly of a similar kind of situation with james bond of like i would say before craig there's not really much about the bond character aside from the kind of just generic staples of the franchise um mm, there's the odd film where he maybe goes <clears throat> through something but mm-hmm. for the most part yeah it's it's very much here is bond yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna watch him do stuff yeah and uh, yeah i think like batman returns to me is that odd film where it's kind of like oh they did try something there um mm. but the rest of them are just kind of adventure films that happen to have a guy dressed in a bat suit <laughs> um, yeah I, I i i can't deny that i think that especially that first that first um batman 89 mm-hmm. there, there's no real arc there yeah there's barely anything it's... um everything good does come from keaton which does in a weird way mm-hmm. like the fact that there's nothing really written there for him should make me dislike it but knowing that everything has come from Michael Keaton just makes me like the version more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's um, definitely a lot of improv from him as well. A lot hmm. of just on set kind of, how do you feel about me just not seeing who I am until the last second? <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I just think, even though I do kind of agree that Christian Bale kind of feels sometimes out of place with being Batman, like I do understand what you mean. Um, hmm. I do... I do love his performance, though, with Batman Begins, especially. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the most Batman film we've gotten ever, really. I, w- I would say that The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises and Batman v Superman and all that, they kind of take on a grander scale and become more about Gotham. Um, yeah, they do, yeah. Even though, un- unlike the previous four films, they are more concerned with Bruce Wayne's character, mm-hmm. um, Batman Begins is definitely the most kind of... We're just going to investigate this character for like two hours um and it's really interesting and really fun and i think i think christian bale would not be my favorite favorite batman if it wasn't for the kind of creative choices around him like Mm -hmm. the films around him but i'm glad it is him because i do think he does do very good for the most part i think his bruce wayne is very good um i think his bruce wayne and his his kind of playboy attitude when he's in public is very good um I, I, it's just his Batman, really, for me. That's a bit weird. Um, his actual Batman is kind of a bit weird. Um, but how do you feel about Ben Affleck as the character? <sighs> I don't really know where to start. Um, it's definitely an acquired taste version. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely one that I can see people, I can see exactly why people don't like it. It's a yeah. Batman that just blatantly goes around machine gunning people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on on that front, in terms of looking at, is this truly Batman? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it suffers a bit. But if you look sort of the grander scale, and if you you're willing to look past that, and you're willing to just look at the story as a whole, I think it works enormously well. Yeah. Yeah really really well and i think uh affleck really sells it and i think a massive part as to why it works is because he's able to do this really gruff 
version of of a, of a beaten Batman, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love the balance he's, he's able to do between the Playboy and the the actual dark brooding Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and weirdly, it's one that I I always found it a bit weird that Christian Bale always seemed a bit too smooth. <laughs> right. If that makes sense, I always found he was too, just too good at the Playboy section. Right. Okay. <laughs> Whereas Bruce uh, Ben Affleck's version of this, this 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 Playboy Bruce Wayne in a billionaire, I think it's slightly better integrated, and I feel like it works a tad better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I I feel like there's more. There's more connection between the two versions, if that makes sense. Because we all know that it is it, Bruce Wayne and Batman; they are kind of like different characters. Mm. But I feel like for him, there is there is like a like something holding them together. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the the Dark Knight versions, it to me it definitely feels like there is Bruce Wayne and then there is Batman. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't necessarily a criticism. I think mm-hmm. if that's something you look for, and if you look for that clear definition, then then that's great. Yeah. However, I, I think there's there's more of a link between between the two sides to Batman, mm-hmm. um, and an example of that would be that, you know, where he just where Clark can ask him how he how he managed to buy the Kent house. Mm-hmm. He just said that I bought the bank. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably the best example of that. Yeah. Um, but I I I do see and, and sorry and as well, you have what feels like a real definite arc. Mm-hmm. Like he definitely becomes a better Batman by the end of of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you feel like a definitive arc, and it's really satisfying one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have things like him being a murderer that <laughs> <laughs> slightly hold it back. What about you? What's your opinions on on Batfleck? Um, I used to be very against the the notion of what that character kind of represented um i never you know when the film came out i was always kind of against the idea of a batman who killed and a batman who was mostly just kind of really just depressed and just hopeless and just had nothing to go nothing to like to live for really um and i just think that the film for me just back then at least did not work and i think i was very disappointed to see a batman who was like that and but I think after like years since that film, and I think after revisiting revisiting the film and kind of understanding what was more of the intent of the character, I kind of enjoy it a lot more now. And I think I think in a lot of ways he actually he does do a lot of things that I would say mm-hmm. are kind of the best we've seen in live action. I do think I think we kind of disagree on this, but I think for me I love his BVS costume. His like kind of it's not really cloth but it has that sort of texture to it but this sort of like script and script and bruised kind of look to it um gray gray and black outfit that i i think is a bit chunky but i think it does i think it looks quite good um and i just think i do know what you mean as well with him kind of having more of a link between the characters that he's playing like i feel like there's kind of a definitive kind of bruce wayne is batman with Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck, um, yeah. especially when you get scenes of him just 
literally just brooding in his back cave. <laughs> like, and the Hans Zimmer score is just going like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, there's definitely like kind of that feeling that he's just barely holding together a facade in public anymore. Like, he's, he's just doing it to, because he might as well. Um, and I think in the, the kind of the the party scene at Lex Luthor's mansion, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a really a real highlight for me for that performance of him. Just yeah. he's very lazily doing the bachelor kind of performance thing. He's yeah, he's that, not, that, that's all I mean. Yeah, yeah, he's like you can tell he's really just like relying on all tricks. <laughs> um, I think one of my favorite lines he's ever given is, "I like those shoes." <laughs> to that woman that goes by, it's just like a, a weird kind of like. He's just getting by now. He um, doesn't really care anymore if people find out. Um, and I love his kind of um, back and forth with Alfred. Um, I, I love, I literally, I adore the the Michael Caine version in the Dark Knight trilogy, but I do also love the Jeremy Irons version. In mm, I love the sassy Jeremy Irons one. Yeah, I love how, I love how also quite... Um, I don't know how to put it, like, it's quite fashionable, his Alfred is. Like, he's quite, he's wearing a waistcoat and, like, a grey shirt and, like, a brown tie. Like, I love his little outfits in these films. Um, he looks really good. He's got his little glasses on. <laughs> and he's kind of a bit more techy than the previous ones have been. Um, he kind of helps about, helps out a bit more with actual technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, he kind of acts as the moral guide for Ben Affleck's Batman. Um Mm-hmm. And I think as well, like going forward, I do think it's kind of odd seeing Ben Affleck play the heroic Batman in the Justice League film. It's very weird, yeah. It kind of feels a bit like he wasn't cast for it. He was cast for the other version. <laughs> and he's kind of just being brought along for this other, this continuation of that. Um, however, I have to say, it does make me really happy to see him kind of be a leader. Um, I think there are certain points in that film where he's talking to the the league members and it kind of gives them just even like the small bit of advice on how to be a hero or whatever. And it's kind of like a, it's really heartwarming to see that in that character. Um, and I think because it's such an extreme kind of departure from his first film, like it's such a discreet extreme of like, you see him for the first time in that film in like, on the, on like he's hanging on the, on the ceiling and people are like, in cages below him and like it's horrific and really brutal and his first actual fight scene is like full-on just he's murdering everyone <laughs> um and you go from that to this kind of heroic leader batman and i think for the most part it is quite well done um and yeah I, it's weird because i i love a lot of ben affleck's batman but i just think he's not the batman that i would I don't know. Like, I really like what this, what he does, what he does with the character, but I wouldn't say he's what I would want from the character. Um, at least from the beginning, like his beginning place. Um, yeah, I yeah, I I love him as Batman, but I just don't. I struggle to call him a favorite, um, and I don't quite know why. Um, sometimes, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel like Christian Bale got the best to work with, and I think that's what helps him for the most part, in my mind. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and now we have Robert Pattinson, which I'm very excited for. Mm. Um, yeah, everything points to him being a great Batman. Yeah, and a very different Batman as well. Um, mm-hmm. 
which in some ways is kind of unfortunate because like like you say i'd agree that we haven't really seen a a batman from the pages on screen sort of mm-hmm. thing um but at the same time i wouldn't want to force matt reese to do that if he didn't want to do it so yeah um, um i think he's also i think he's the youngest one to be batman yeah that's true yeah and so. the costume i love the costume as well so far i love how it's it looks like a halloween costume to me but like a real like Pull on when you yeah. do it. <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely think it's my favourite bat suit. Yeah, definitely. of all the live action film versions, I think it's definitely my favourite. Yeah, I love the little collar he's got. He's got like a tiny little collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the tattiness of the cape when you see it. Oh yeah, yeah. I love um, I love like the tiny little bat he's got, like a like a. It's barely a bat like shape. It's just kind of two triangles. Yeah. <laughs> I love that too. Um, I'm very excited to see what he does with the character, and I think it could be a great performance. I'm hoping it is, and I think I think it's going to be a film going back to being a film about Batman, mm. um, like Batman Begins, for example. Um, but yeah, do you want to move on to your next kind of character? As a little side thing, uh, you, you made me think of this. Do you have a favourite Alfred? Ooh... Ooh, I don't know. I think I do love um, Michael Caine's version as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's my favourite, even though a very close second is Jeremy Irons. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind the one from the first four films. I think he's just kind of like like almost everything in those films. He's just kind of there for the sake of being there. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. So I think, but I think for me, the first one that I love the most is the. Michael Caine, Diana Trilogy version. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't disagree with that. I'd, yeah. I'd love to say it, Jamie Irons, because I do love that version. I just love how... I just love how involved, but also how almost judgmental he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, he's got another job to do, but he's just doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And it also, I think, he's pro- I think for me, he's also probably in the best ever Batman-Alfred exchange. Mm-hmm. Which is like when he says, when 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 Batman and the Justice League are leaving, like mm-hmm. he says, he says something like, "How how do you know?" And then Batman responds, uh, "Faith." Yeah, I think for me that's that might be the best exchange between a Bruce Wayne and an Alfred. Yeah, especially because they kind of switch roles for that brief second there, where he becomes the cynical one and Batman is finally the optimistic one, mm-hmm. which is just a, yeah. a far cry from BVS <laughs> and what they were there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a little fun side one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my 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 next one is probably the most famous kind of one of these of different actors playing characters that's happened on TV. Mm-hmm. And that is that is Doctor Who. Ooh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so there have been a lot of Doctor Who's. I have only ever watched from the reboot or the, mm-hmm. the continuation the restart which had begun with christopher eccleston yeah 2005 i think god that made me feel old <laughs> um however my favorite and one of my all-time favorite acting performances or character performances in any tv show is david tennant's version of the doctor mm, yeah yeah i absolutely as a kid this was this was this was the pinnacle of <laughs> TV, right? There was always Star Wars, and to some extent, Marvel came in sort of later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
that would they they always dominated the films. But for TV, this was it. This was the jam. All right. <laughs> I, I remember sitting down every Saturday. I remember initially I was really scared because I was quite young. Yeah. The Slovene terrified me. <laughs> I could not sleep after the Slovene. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then sort of all of a sudden, right off the bat, you've got a David Tennant coming to it. Obviously, as he said, as he has said multiple times, a huge fan of the character himself. Mm-hmm. And I just the energy, but also you have, especially towards the end of his his run, you have a real emotional level that David Tennant brings to it, and I don't think that has been matched at all by anybody. Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, um, I I like Matt Smith. I uh-huh. also I also think Peter Capaldi is pretty great. Yeah. Weirdly, if I was to rank them, I'd probably I'd probably do it in the order of maybe David Tennant first. I'm tempted to put Christopher Eccleston in second. Mm-hmm. It's one that's definitely grown on me as the years have gone by. Then Capaldi, then Smith. Right. Yeah. Which is a weird way. Cause I, I imagine for most people, it's either Tennant or Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I think also it's partly down to. The best era of Doctor Who for me being the Russell T Davies era, mm-hmm. where he Which was showrunner. We're getting a return off, I think. I know he's coming back, which is crazy. <laughs> I know it's so weird to say he's he's gone off since he finished Doctor Who. He's gone off and done his own thing. Have you seen the years and years thing he did? I haven't. No, I that's pretty good. Yeah, is it sci-fi or is it? Yeah, else? it's like a. It's it's. It's like a drama. Like it starts off as like a fairly ordinary drama, mm-hmm. and then each separate episode goes by and it gets more sci-fi. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I'm I'm not 100 percent on the ending of it, but I think <laughs> for the most part it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it's also great to sort of see because he, he's an LGBTQ writer, mm-hmm. and it's it's just great to have his voice and him be able to bring that side of things into, into mainstream TV. Because he does do it to some res- respect within this era of Doctor Who with he introduces Jack Harkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he also definitely, he had more freedom outside of Doctor Who with years and years. And he also, I think, did he write It's a Sin? I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, for Channel 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting to see him come back. Generally, that era is sort of the best for me, and I, I love David Tennant. It's, <laughs> it's a cornerstone of my childhood. I'd like to give a shout out to the fact that obviously, David Tennant's last line of "I don't want to go" is is perfection. It is, yeah. All right, you've got to be in that. But a yeah. massive shout out to I think probably it's not much of a title, but the second best actor exit definitely goes to Christopher Eccleston for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just this sort of. While he didn't get that long as the character, there's definitely in those final episodes, he gives it something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on on reflection, I think he's he's pretty great, especially in those final episodes. And then sort of the final line as well, which is kind of melancholy in that it's sort of, he says to Rose something like, you were great, but, um, but most of all, so was I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I feel like a really melancholy way. Obviously, it's it's different from the the genuine heart wrenching line of "I don't want to go." Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's sort of there, but yeah. Absolute mm. corner, cornerstone of my childhood and of, of TV and film for me. David Tennant, you king. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think I think for a while I would, would have said that my favourite was Matt Smith. Um, but I think literally very recently this opinion has changed because I think I just ended up somehow kind of accidentally watching clips from David Tennant's era. Mm-hmm. Um and in particular, what stood out to me was his like his final few episodes, and that scene where he's um, <clears throat> when he's um, he has the gun on like the the Gallifreyans, I think, and mm-hmm. he's like going back and forth, and he's kind of it's one of them Timothy Dalton. I just remember, yeah, yeah, one of them is Timothy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but he's doing that scene, and then he he dies. It was die, but he like he gets radi- radiation and has to you know do a, a regeneration thing. And I think there's this kind of this monologue he has, and it's just like him screaming at the at no one. Like he's just screaming at no one about how he could have given so much more. Um, and he's literally doing this to save one human being. Like literally, there's the one guy who got stuck in the wrong chamber. Um, and it's a it's such a I don't know. I was watching it, and it's like. He really gave it, hit it like he really gave it all to this performance. And I think Doctor Who, no matter what, is going to be like culturally relevant. I think is not going to be a thing that goes out of style. It might get less popular or more popular, but I don't think it's ever going to go out of style. But he kind of, I don't know, he kind of just brought something to it that was very different. Um, and I think watching him perform, especially in his last season, for me especially is kind of just that is the magic of the show and not really mm-hmm. the sci-fi around him um i'd love yeah i just love watching him perform and i think i think for me i kind of my kind of uh relationship with doctor who was very kind of i watched it all in one go like the reboot onwards um mm-hmm. and i got to be capaldi and i got to the new actress um jordy jordy whittaker yeah and I started watching that, and it's I kind not of not to mention it when I listed them. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I kind of just I kind of dropped off during a new series, um, which again I didn't not enjoy. I kind of I kind of enjoyed it, and I kind of thought it was pretty good. I just didn't. It wasn't what I fell in love with to begin with the, with the mm-hmm. show. Um, and I think because I have seen, even though I haven't really been up to date on it very closely, I just have seen in passing kind of. A lot of hatred towards, I think, Chibnall is the guy's name. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think that level of hatred is kind of not really deserved. It is still a fiction. No, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and I think I do, I do enjoy... I think I don't really think I dislike any performance yet, really, that I've seen of the Doctor. Um, I think I just... Yeah, I just kind of... For me, David Tennant is definitely my favourite, I think, now. And I do look back on his final scenes, especially as kind of the most kind of like him just, he is the character at this point. Um, and I think, yeah, I totally agree that he is the highlight of that show. Um, and yeah, I think for me, Matt Smith kind of just, he is my second favourite. Um, but he's not, I don't know, I don't know how to put it. I think he... There's a lot of good things of the character, and I think there's a lot of fun things of the character. Um, 
but I don't think he has that same range as David Tennant did. No, he doesn't. Yeah, I don't I see him right. playing some of the scenes like David Tennant did, and I think I I think post David Tennant we have this kind of weird thing where it seems the ethos for the character is be weird, <laughs> um, which definitely was a part of the David Tennant era, but I don't think it was as kind of prevalent as it got to be later on. Um, mm. And I also really enjoy Peter Capaldi's kind of um, take on the character. Um, I found it really funny when he got cast that a lot of the fans of the show who were, let's just like say, I don't know, like, you know, teenage girls were kind of really sad about that. (laughs) Why? What's wrong with Peter Capaldi? Absolutely nothing. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always find that really funny. Um, But yeah, I totally agree with that. David Tennant is... I think he's definitely my favourite now. I think looking back on it, it was, he was... He kind of set the tone going forward. I think every actor is kind of trying to either emulate him or beat him <laughs> in some way. Um, yeah, he, yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. He's mm. a, he was great. Yeah. Um, just quickly, on, on sort of the Whitaker era, um, I do think Jodie Whitaker is a, is a, is a good doctor. Mm-hmm. I think her performance you can't you can't question it. And while I'd like to I'd like to obviously state that Chris Chibnall and the Ryan team do not deserve a slither of the hate they're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would say for me, it's definitely the weaker weakest uh, period for writing. Mm-hmm. I do think that they kind of dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. I I can't really tell you how it just feels. It just feels a lot weaker, mainly because the, for the first season they decided that they didn't want to use any of the, um, the pre pre established monsters. Yeah, I remember this. I remember watching the first series, especially, and kind of thinking they're really just trying to not do things already done, but they're not doing mm. new things really. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really appreciate the the idea of doing that. Yeah. I really respect it, but they didn't. I feel like they went too big with some of them. Like some of them are too CGI, and some of the comedy doesn't necessarily work, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't doesn't really live up to the what you'd expect from the, the Doctor Who villains. Um, but I I I do still respect Chris Chibnall. I yeah. doesn't deserve a slither of the hate. You know, he, he's proven. He's more than proven that he is a very talented writer with Broadchurch. Mm, yeah, it's true. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of but yeah. David Tennant, David Tennant's the god. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. Is there is there any more you want to talk about? Um, like my next one, or yeah, yeah, your next one. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess we can talk about the big one. I guess for this sort mm-hmm. of thing, uh, uh, James Bond. Um. Mm-hmm. A character who has had one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> six, six different official, you know, Eon Productions uh, versions. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I, yeah, I think it's a similar thing to the Batman character for me. I think we probably mentioned this last week as well. Um, that I kind of, the way I see... Um, I kind of see the way that that character is portrayed as 
is kind of like a Batman thing where before Craig, it was very much just kind of use the character as you see him and like the kind of the way he's perceived as this like a suave spy person who we've established in the first movie and kind of just put him in a different location with a different car a different you know bond woman uh different villain and kind of just get by on that um so i think it was kind of unfortunate and i think it led to literally for me like decades worth of films that i just don't care for that much um it's really unfortunate because I, I wish I was a fan. Like, I really do sometimes. Like, I I wish I looked at, you know, I wish I looked at The Spy Who Loved Me, for example, even, or, um, you know, Goldfinger and really, mm. like, love those films. Because um, I do think there's a lot of good things in them. I just don't... I really struggle to connect with them. Um, and I do think in part that's because we have been... When we were born, like, and we our childhood are now kind of understanding of franchises and you know big expensive movie properties um was kind of all serialized and kind of very much about the characters like we had spider-man films that were about spider-man and we had you know we had all these different kind of franchises that were very much about the main character like had harry potter for example and they all led to the next one until the final one um I think for me, as a kid, especially like thinking about Bond and going back to the films and thinking about how it's just a very standalone adventure, every movie. And it's very much just he goes to this person and gets some information and then they die. And then he goes to this person and then they die. And then, you know, the villain gets revealed and then it's a big, you know, stunt show for the last two, like 20 minutes. And it's usually quite fun. Um, but I struggle a lot to you know kind of attach myself to them emotionally mm-hmm. um i think sean connery you know he gets a great performance it's like i don't i'm not doubting that at all i think he does a great performance i just think it's not he doesn't get a lot to play with and i think it's unfortunate oddly enough that the what the one film that i do generally quite like um on her Majesty's secret, secret service is the one with the actor who's almost universally the most disliked <laughs> um and i've seen that film a couple of times actually and i think each time i watch it i'm like this is quite good and i think it's generally um trying to do something different and trying to do the actual book mm-hmm. itself uh kind of a service to it and it's it has a really good ending and a, a really good romantic interest and a, a quite interesting plot even if it is quite sci-fi i still and and I do think, yeah, I totally give the main criticism of the main actor does not match the standard set set previously, and I do think he is quite wooden. Um, you know, the story is that he's he's a he's a model who kind of lied about being an actor to get the job, <laughs> and somehow literally got past everyone everyone to actually do it, mm-hmm. um, which you know I kind of respect. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, and I think I think the ethos for that character is really well established when you look at what happens in the next film after that film where james bond's wife just died at the very end of the last film um it's quite a depressing and quite a uh really quite nuanced kind of gray area kind of place to leave a bond film and then the next film immediately after is just connery is back and we're doing the formula again and we're doing you know shirley bashi is back to do a song and it's just kind of 
whatever. It's just another adventure. Um, I'm pretty sure even like Blofeld is kind of killed or whatever in the first, like the, the pre-title sequence. Um, which is I think that might be a Roger Moore one, but I can't quite remember. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's weird because it, it is something similar. Cause I think I think the plot is like they they kill Blofeld, but you had you had clones or something like that. Um, ah, I see. And I think that's what's happening with that. And yeah, and then also the continuity was a bit weird to me. Like I think I said last week that it's weird that Dalton's born and gets told about Tracy's wife, and he's kind of like, oh yeah, my 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 wife who died, and we're like. Are you, is it you? Are you that Bond? <laughs> like, because I mean, you were—you got real old, and now you're very young. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure how that works. Um, but and I totally—I love the first Golden Eye. Well, I don't. Maybe I don't love it, but I do like it quite a lot. The first, um, the Golden Eye film with Pierce Brosnan. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's like a a trial run at like what Craig was going to do later on. Um, again with Martin Campbell. Um. It's sort of it's not really breaking the rules of the franchise, but it's more using them to do something a bit different. Um, but would you agree at least that Craig was the first kind of one to make him interesting? <laughs> yeah, and definitely the first one to make him interesting for uh, an extended sort of series. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, there are there are the instances where you have flashes of well, here we go, his his emotional depth yeah yeah but it's never really more than either a fleeting sort of moment or one film where like you said with on their magister secret service where they go for it and they suddenly for the next one just decide let's go back to what we were doing mm-hmm. that's enough of that emotional stuff you're right yeah um and so with craig you have the first one where this feels like there's kind of a commitment to it Mm-hmm. Even going into the second film, which is Quantum of Solace, no, it's not it's not as good as Casino Royale, but at least there's still something driving Bond forward. Mm-hmm. You know, there's kind of there's a quest for revenge, and maybe they don't do it the justice they should do, but it remains something that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the presence of that sort of emotional journey does continue. Even even Inspector, for example, a film that last week we spent a lot of time talking <laughs> talking yeah. about in there and criticizing. Even yeah. there, it feels like there's an attempt to make it personal. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um, you know, the the sort of reaction to Blofeld was that it doesn't really work, it comes across as cheesy, but there's a personal connection, there's an attempt there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's generally a just a better handling of a film character, not necessarily James Bond, but he feels like a film character, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which feels weird to say in a franchise that is, it's one of the oldest film franchises ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, before, before Star Wars, you know, Star Wars didn't really become a, a multimedia franchise until maybe the late eighties, early nineties when they started releasing books. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, Bond is, Probably, apart from maybe your odd slasher series, <laughs> films like Friday the Thirteenth and, and and Nightmare on Elm Street, which are very much franchises but weren't necessarily in the public eye as much. You know, they're, they're not a niche audience, but you know they're, they're for horror fans. Yeah, not everyone's going to go and see them. Whereas James Bond had quite a broad appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for better or worse, for its problematic aspects. Yeah. And so it's weird that it took that long to have a consistently actual a consistent actual character be the lead character in a Bond film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's something that Daniel Craig should absolutely be praised for bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's... I find it so interesting that, like, Quantum of Solace, for example, is... It was kind of, you know, it was kind of not ruined, but kind of uh, changed because of the right strike. Mm-hmm. And it kind of meant that the film was less of a Bond film and more of a epilogue to Casino Royale. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think at first that seems like a bad thing, but I think in retrospect it kind of forced, in a way, to make this James Bond an actual kind of continuous character. Um mm-hmm. The moment that he opens the car boot and Mr. White from the last film was in it, and you realise this, this film's taking place like a minute after the last film, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a confirmation that for the first time ever, you're going to be watching a character in every film kind of change each time and kind of grow each time. Um, and like is even, like the fact that it's actually a sequel? Yeah, yeah, it's a full-on sequel. It's not, you know, even though, you know, it technically every film before this was a sequel, they didn't feel like a sequel, really. Like There was never any real reaction to what happened in the previous one. Yeah, they don't... No film really comments on the last one. Um, they don't overall tell a, a, the story like together, like the Dark Trilogy, for example. Each film tells their own story, but as a free film, kind of free film arc, they all tell one massive over story. Um you don't really have that at all with Bond. It's all kind yeah. of just different aesthetics of the same kind of general plot, um, mm-hmm. which is not like a bad way of going about it. Because you know, the you could argue for sure that we're kind of we're kind of overfed with you know franchises that kind of take themselves too seriously and kind of don't let them just have fun mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with like build up and teasing for the next film. Um, but I I think for me it just works much better when I can feel the continuation of the character. Um, yeah. And I kind of I mentioned this in my uh, I think in my written no time no time to die review no spoilers I won't spoil anything but I kind of written that it's fascinating that he kind of and the critic he changes his performance in each film um, to match where the character would be at this point. Um, Casino Royale, you know, the character is very much a charming, but very much, you know, a blunt weapon. And he's kind of just, he barely has a, you know, a heart to speak of. And he kind of, he kind of grows one in that film. And you can see that slowly happen. And then in the next film, Quantum of Solace, you can see that he's just like a broken mess. Like, he is, um, he's not really the Bond that we know from the old films in the sense that he's, there's no finesse to that character at all in Quantum Solace. He's just a killing machine <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and then we get the Skyfall where he's finally kind of overcame that kind of that past trauma and you kind of have a, a slightly rebooted version of the character but still you can feel like the same character being in there. Um, and I think that continues throughout all the films until No Time, no Time to Die where you definitely feel for me that everything the character has been informed by kind of comes together in this film. Um, and I feel like that was, at least for me, a big part of my love for the last, like, the last film that came out. And 
I understand that for some, you know, Bond diehard fans that have been a fan since the 60s or whatever, like that might be annoying for them to see the character kind of be forced into the box of the, you know, the MCU of like interconnect all the films and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, we think I, we both definitely agree that Spectre does the worst at that job. Yeah. Um, Quantum of Solace, for all its faults, is not a film that tries too hard to make it a sequel. It just kind of is a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Spectre is just obsessed with it's all connected, <laughs> um, even though it's definitely not. It's um, always the plan. Yeah, I don't think it was. <laughs> and yeah, I think. As, yeah, I think for the characters, way more fascinating for me to actually see him grow and change. And like, even like, it's not really a spoiler or anything, but I think a slight difference I'd love to see in the in the performance was, you know, Casino Royale. He is quite talkative, but he's for the most part quite quiet and reserved, and he talks when he has to talk. Um, but in as the characters evolve, in Not on the Die, he talks a lot. <laughs> like he's just he's having a little, you know, a fun time. You know, he's he's doing some quips every once in a while. He's having, he's definitely grown out of that young kind of brute mentality, mm-hmm. um, and I think that by itself for me was enough to buy into the character way more than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I just don't like the idea of the judging the actors before Craig is because they were only ever really allowed to set themselves up for what they were in their first film and then just repeat that for the next few films mm-hmm. um which was unfortunate i think uh, to, to do that to the character um yeah i think for me it's definitely craig that's made it interesting and I, and I genuinely do not know how we go forward after this last film <laughs> <laughs> um not spoiling anything but if you have seen the film and you are listening I don't know how we go forward. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any uh, comments on that or any last characters you want to put in here? Um, well, um, I, I did have one sort of one, one more to put at the end. Okay. Um, by the way, I'd like to clarify, Craig is awesome, my favourite, by Country Mile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for, for, the, for the reasons discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, one sort of fa- final character then. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting one. Another sort of very British character, uh, Sherlock Holmes. Mm, yeah. Okay. So I'd completely forgotten about this character. They've been played by multiple actors for various fairly big installments. Most recently, we've had Henry Cavill be Sherlock. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Nola Holmes. But this one is definitely a battle between Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm, yeah. Two versions of Sherlock that I I do genuinely like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for good sort of mysteries and good actual crimes to be solved, I think the TV show wins out absolutely. Because mm-hmm. um, these these films definitely feel like action films over detective films. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, that being said, I really enjoy Robert Downey Jr. as the character, even if the accent isn't always spot on. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I think there's a great level of energy, and it's it's a really good, really interesting way of doing it because all the other versions we've seen, particularly Benedict Cumberbatch and Henry Cavill, they're both very clean characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sense they're all very, very much well dressed, well turned out characters. Whereas with Robert Downey Jr., you have this is a very scruffy man. 
<laughs> this man this man is a mess who just also happens to be very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and and so you you have quite an interesting comparison there. Um that's very difficult to choose from because I think they're probably really quite far apart. Mm-hmm. Cumberbatch and, and, and Downey in the way they're depicted. They're very different characters and they almost sort of only share the similarity of their name mm-hmm. and the fact they're detectives. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me that they are supposed to be sort of the same characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's difficult to choose. I do think maybe if you're looking for a character that, for, for, between the actors that really made it their own, mm-hmm. I think you probably have to go for Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I'd agree. I think he... Yeah, I would agree. I think he does have like this kind of this um this unique interpretation of the character. Yeah. Um I think it's definitely the most kind of modern version of the character. Mm-hmm. Um and not not just because, you know, it takes place in modern times, but I also think the character just feels a bit more off the time that it is now. Like he mm-hmm. just feels a bit more I don't know, informed by the world around him. Um and I think I do, for the most part, enjoy the Sherlock TV show. Um, I think there's a few episodes here and there that I just don't really quite like. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I do kind of agree that, the, I think the fourth season was it, that the last one? Um, I do kind of agree with the consensus that that one kind of dropped the ball a bit. Um, but, yeah, I I struggle to kind of have an opinion strongly on Sherlock. Because I don't feel like I know enough about the actual character from the books. <laughs> I'm kind of the same, yeah. Yeah, I just, I kind of just know what I know from the films that I've seen. Um, I have every once in a while seen, just like by by chance, kind of seen half of like one of the old films. Um, and yeah, I I always I do enjoy the the guy Richie Robert Downey Jr. two films so far. I do enjoy them. Um, mm. I definitely enjoy their kind of weird kind of action take on them. <laughs> um, I love watching them kind of rational, rationalize that by being like, oh, in a book, you look at it, you does, does five people. And I'm like, okay, but is it an action franchise? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I kind of, I do enjoy their take on the character. And I think similar to Batman in some ways, the character is very like kind of malleable. You can kind of change and just kind of fit different things. Um, just always really fun. Um, but I do kind of agree with the idea that Benedict Cumberbatch, for me at least, kind of got the most room to make it his own um, mm. and the most time to kind of develop kind of character arcs and character relationships, especially with um, Dr. Watson, for example. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, Benedict Cumberbatch is my favourite. But I'm not too well versed on the subject <laughs> yeah neither am i i think it's, it's generally just a comparison because it's generally a character that people feel like they know because they know the name but mm-hmm. it's difficult to actually know them without having delved into the source material and i can't be bothered yeah <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care enough yeah i know what you mean <laughs> um yeah I, I i agree i think bandit Cumberbatch is able to make it more his own and also make it very unique whereas Rob Downey Jr.'s version definitely have sort of shades of Iron Man, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the action style and the, the the very confident attitude that he has. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I, why, yeah, well, I really enjoy Downey's version and those two films. Mm-hmm. Got to go to Benedict. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's my last one. Oh, okay. I think that's for mine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, although, although weirdly, at the end, one that when I was doing my research for this, I came across, and I completely sort of didn't even realise that this was a character that had been played by three actors or actresses, mm-hmm. but Sarah Connor. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Sarah yeah. Connor's been played by Linda Hamilton and Amelia Clark in the the films, but he, she was also played by uh, Lena Headley mm, in the TV show. Yeah, which yeah. reading that on online was sort of like, oh yeah. <laughs> I think they've never quite nailed that character as well as well as Sarah as well as um, Linda Hamilton did. Mm, yeah, um, Linda Hamilton's definitely the definitive version. Yeah, I. Feel kind of bad saying this, but I always felt like Amelia Clark was always like a really bad miscasting. <laughs> yeah, I never understood that in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amelia Clark's sort of a weird one in that everything she's in, I think I've liked her, but she's mm-hmm. she's never she's in the category of Joel Kinnaman. <laughs> yeah. They're both very good actors, mm-hmm. but they've just not been very lucky. Yeah, in the films they're in, they're really just. For the blockbusters, at least, like the actual films being a part of, they just haven't hit the mark for what they can bring, I guess. Um, I guess Joel Kilman got very lucky this year with Suicide Squad. Um, Or did he? uh, Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah, I I feel kind of bad saying it, but I do think he was always really quite badly miscast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I do agree. Which is a shame because she seems really nice as well. Which Yeah, 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 she's. Usually, like you know, I think she's kind of great for most of the overalls, and I do think it's. I can kind of understand where they were coming from with like Game of Thrones, like a a character who at first seems kind of maybe not aggressive, turns out to be the most aggressive. Um, yeah. I kind of get where they might have thought of that from, but it did not translate into that character very well in that script, which is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah. So that, that, that's me. It's me all done up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me too. Um, so I wrap it Ooh. up there. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, so thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any other, we have any opinions on what we said or any other uh, characters that have been played by multiple actors that you'd like to mention, please let us know. Uh, get into the comments or share with your friends or like this on whatever platform, whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, give us a review. Um. Yeah, anything you want to do to kind of share around or contact us, let us know. We we can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, also, you know, before you go, I'd like to again remind you that we have a Instagram account at Marvel Cinema Podcast, where we do our reviews during the week and a, a podcast on a Monday, usually. Um, and a Twitter account um, at Cinema Marvelous, where we do the podcast uh, on a Monday, usually, and uh, weekly reviews about, you know, mm-hmm. whatever film we, are, we were watching at the time. Um, uh, recently we've been going through the Bond films because we've been very excited for the new film um, Bond, 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 Bond yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of for the past like, couple of weeks it's been like just Bond <laughs> um, a lot of films to go through um, but yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this, this episode um, mm-hmm. thank you very much for listening and goodbye yeah. thank you for listening, bye